You're listening to 17 Karat K-Pop, the podcast that's a little bit of everything with a K-Pop twist. From pop culture critiques to the history of K-Pop to interviews with people in the K-Pop industry and K-Pop artists themselves, to concert and album reviews, to a deep dive into the discographies of different K-pop artists, to K-pop news updates, to stories about the music industry more broadly. This show tries to cover everything about K-pop and K-pop as it applies to the larger music and concert scenes. Visit 17karatkpop.weebly.com for more information about the show. That's 17-C-A-R-A-T-K-P-O-P-dot-W-E-E-B-L-Y-dot-C-O-M. Hi everybody and welcome back to 17 Karat K-Pop. Before I get to the headlines of the week, let's have a moment of appreciation for two really smart and funny April Fool's Day pranks from K-Pop stars. First of all, nice job Bam Bam. I will admit for about five minutes I was really thinking that you were going on a Money City 2021 world tour. It took me about five minutes as I was wondering, wait is this a virtual tour? Did you mean to say 2022? I really thought about this way too much, and then I remembered the date. I also really liked what NCT Dream did because it was so NCT of them. If you have listened to any of my NCT Talk episodes, you know that their music video characters constantly blur the lines between, wait, what's real? What's a dream for these people? What is happening? Leaving you wondering how much is a joke or an illusion versus just reality. It's a whole thing. Anyway. This is why I love what they did, because it is so NCT in that sense. Basically, started their own cafe called Cafe Dream, but also not? So it left fans like me with a lot of questions. Wait, is this a real physical place we can visit? You're taking pictures and videos there, and Johnny's vlogging there. The logo and the time and effort you're putting into this looks so real, makes it seem so legit. But is this a real physical place? Is this the... Is this the comeback concept? Is this the theme for your new album? What is happening? Did you actually just put so much effort into this just for a prank as opposed to a comeback? What's happening? So anyway, whatever Cafe Dream is, nicely done, and it's released right around April Fool's Day. Makes it just extra weird, but props to them for messing with my mind as usual. Feel free to share with me what you thought were the best pranks pulled off by K-pop artists this year. Now let's get to the news, and as I talk, please keep in mind that it is really, really, really raining hard right now. Like, so hard you can't escape it. So, I will do my best to edit out the rain sounds, but if there is rain as background noise in some parts of my talk, please forgive that. I'll be talking about RM's mixtape. So just thematically have Forever Rain playing in your head as I talk. Okay, now let's get to the news. The first three stories are all interconnected, so I'm going to break them down each and then share my big takeaways. HYBE has acquired Ithaca Holdings. A merger refers to when two companies basically combine and form a new identity. So instead of being company A and company B, you merge and turn into a brand new company called company C, which has parts of A and B. That's sort of what they're doing in this rebrand, but I would argue it's more accurate to call it an acquisition, which refers to when a company buys either the majority or the entirety of another company's stock. So they basically own all the shares in a company. They have taken over the company from an economic perspective. 
And so that's what happened is Hybe Labels acquired Ithaca Holdings. Hybe now owns 100% of the shares in Ithaca Holdings. There are a few things that make this conversation about what happened and what's going to happen as a result a bit more complex. One of those things is that in the USA, it's different than in South Korea, where in South Korea, your company manages you, produces the albums, promotes the albums, etc. Whereas for artists in the USA, their management is different from their label. The music label does the distribution and stuff. Management is more like your scheduler, day-to-day agent, etc. So for example, there are artists who have Scooter Braun as the management, but he stays out of their music label affairs in some ways because they're signed to Republic Records, for example, which is just one of the record labels that his management company owns. So an artist can have the same manager and music label, but that's just not a commonality in America the way it is in South Korea. This is a merging of two very structurally different systems. The second notable addition to this story is that HYBE has several subunits. We talked about this on last week's HYBE Hopes episode, maybe it was two weeks ago. And HYBE is broken down into HYBE Labels, HYBE Solutions, HYBE Platforms, and HYBE America. So this deal is just involving the U.S. stock market, so HYBE America has acquired Ithaca Holdings. If you're trying to visualize the different branches of HYBE, HYBE is basically the top of the family tree. And then the bubbles on this diagram below that would say HYBE Labels, HYBE Solutions, HYBE Platforms, and HYBE America. HYBE Labels refers to all the smaller K-pop companies big hit music has acquired. HYBE Platforms and Solutions are then referring to more marketing-based stuff, apps, VLive, things like that. So you have HYBE platforms, solutions, and labels. And then the fourth one is HYBE America. Here's where I really do think it comes in handy to use a family tree diagram to explain how HYBE owns all of those subsections, of course. But those subsections, despite all being under HYBE, are very distinct from each other. HYBE America is what we're talking about here because we're talking about the New York Stock Exchange. We're talking about American stocks. So HYBE America acquired Ithaca Holdings. So all of these artists affiliated with big hit labels like Seventeen and Zico, etc., those artists are in the HYBE labels subcategory, not affected by this HYBE America decision. Basically, a much simpler way to sum this up is that Mr. Bang owns everything, basically. He is the owner of HYBE, and so he basically controls everything that would go below that in a diagram about which parts belong to which subsectors of HYBE. It's all Mr. Bang, basically. Which really goes to show the magnitude of the impact he's had, because Scooter Braun is... If you know the name of any manager in the music industry in the USA, the one name you've probably heard is Scooter Braun. So he's viewed as this huge deal, manages some big-time stars, Justin, Ariana, etc. And he is now, his companies are now mere subsidies, in a way, of Mr. Bang. That's really interesting to think about that impact. But also, it elevates him even more because Scooter Braun is now a board member for HYBE. Now let's talk money. Those are the main structural changes. Now, how about the financial changes? 
This acquisition was essentially a purchase with a value of around 1.5 billion with a B dollars. This purchase led to the development of new shares, 863,209 new shares to be exact. And valued at $186 a share means that this total value of this transaction was about $160.5 million. $50 million of this total is going to the artists affected. The most shares went to Justin Bieber and Ariana Grande under this deal. They both got 53,557 shares, $9,996,602. So that's over 53,000 shares. BTS members individually got over 68,000 shares each. Approximately 68,385 shares. So now each member of BTS has individually earned 1,219,000 six hundred and ten dollars financially as well as promotion wise this is such a big moment for the music industry mr bang said about this decision in a statement quote the inevitable joining of hybe and ithaca holdings marks the start of a new adventure no one could have possibly imagined side note it's a little funny there accidentally that he describes it as inevitable and impossible to have imagined this could happen the two companies will work closely together leveraging our proven track records of success, know-how, and expertise to create synergy, transcend borders, and break down cultural barriers. Please look forward to the endless possibilities of Hybe and Ithaca Holdings in the new paradigm. Scooter Braun's statement says, quote, This will be the first time Hybe's groundbreaking system and curation will be integrated in the U.S. market at the onset of an artist's career. That interesting choice of phrase to describe how now we're going to, in a globalized, unprecedented way, promote artists from their early days of their career, from the get-go, that got me thinking, I wonder if they have, they're hinting at some big plans in the works for a super worldwide promo strategy for the group Big Hit Music plans to launch in 2022. Yeah, I know, I just said that's separate from Ithaca, but... Part of the partnership and the reason for it is more than just the stocks. It is to eventually streamline promo for a bunch of big hit music activity and Republic Records and other records owned by Scooter Braun. Just that cross-promotion is a big long-term objective of this purchase. So just stay tuned. I bet big, big things are coming in 2022. He continued saying, It'll help us to continue further the careers of the artists we already work with, too. Global opportunities for artists become exponential with this partnership. This is an opportunity for us to make history and further innovate the music industry and revolutionize the game itself. Its implications for the business will be monumental for a long time to come. The second big story I wanted to talk about today is that SM Entertainment is also restructuring right now, which is very interesting timing. SM Entertainment has always owned SM Studios, but now they've restructured so that it's a bit more streamlined under SM Studios. So if you were looking at a diagram of SM Entertainment's ownership, SM Studios is its main subcategory. And then SM Studios now just has every other subcategory. SM Culture and Contents, Mystic Story, Dear You, Key East, and SM Life Design Group. In a statement, SM Entertainment said, quote, The companies affiliated with SM Studios will have more collective bargaining power 
and gain market competitiveness. Through this reorganization, we intend to focus more on the music business, unquote. Really interesting way to frame it. We will get back to that in a second. Then the third story is just that RBW Entertainment, home to One Us, Purple Kiss, they just acquired a company too. WM Entertainment is now officially kind of owned, at least in a stock market sense, by RBW Entertainment. This company that is now owned by RBW is home to acts like B1A4, Oh My Girl. So this is a really interesting combination now. So WM Entertainment will still operate pretty independently. This is just a, a change economically again in the stock market sense and in a technical ownership sense. But just in terms of day-to-day -day management, not much changes. WM Entertainment is still a separate entity. A statement from RBW Entertainment CEO repeated some of the main things mentioned in those other statements about focusing on global expansion and this desire to really step up their game in a competitive global music marketplace. I honestly do think this was just a matter of time. That's just where the music industry was headed, increased globalization of it, and just more cross-promotions, more realization of our interconnected world, especially thanks to technology now, and how we can utilize that, how the entertainment industry can utilize that in new ways. Networking is easier than ever, all of that. So I do think this was just bound to happen and will probably happen more and more, but I do think this plan to acquire Ithaca have been on an accelerated timeline, honestly, because of the pandemic. Because in the USA, this past year, a lot of artists have put big albums on hold, big musical eras they've been planning, because they don't want to release the album until the tour, the live visuals come with it, safe music video filming. And of course, some of them have still been releasing music, not a ton of artists compared to what it would be without a pandemic, of course. Keeping proto COVID protocols in place when you're filming a video is super expensive. A lot of artists don't have that kind of money or desire to even do that and promote a song when live performances and traditional promo routes just aren't happening. So they're putting a lot of those projects on hold. And that's not just speculation. Can't really name names, but I've talked to a lot of songwriters who know some big names who are hiding, not hiding, but kind of stowing away their projects until it's safe to really have a full promo round for those eras. So a lot of Westerners have been spending this year releasing one-off singles or EPs or just reviving old songs. So during that time, South Korea has actually, it feels like they haven't really changed the pace of new releases this year. We've talked at length before on the show about how South Korea has been hit by the pandemic in terms of a lot of younger underdog companies struggling financially because they get a lot of the revenue from live shows and fan events, so they're hurting financially, and so some artists are really just not doing well and not promoting like they would without a pandemic. But on the whole, South Korea's music and new release schedule feels like it never slowed down. We've still been getting so much new music from them this year, Partly because, thanks to technology, they still have the ability to promote it, so they have the desire to still release it. So they have the Beyond Live shows, for example, and other ways to promote their work. So that next-level technology that South Korea utilizes in their music industry, combined with the pressure to just, no matter what the circumstances, find a way to keep the artists promoting and releasing stuff because they're on just seven-year contracts that fly by really fast and missing a whole year of work, in a seven-year contract is a huge deal. 
Aside from that pressure, there's also just an easy way to do that because a lot of K-pop artists record and prepare comebacks months in advance. So at the very beginning of the pandemic, when things really started locking down in March, I would say up until May or June, we were still getting stuff that was filmed in 2019 that was still getting released, and so it felt like the pandemic hadn't really hit the music scene. In South Korea, yet another variable here is that they, we talked at length about this on the Miku Holograms Redefining of Reality episode of How to Stand, talking about how they conceptualize in other countries reality in some different ways, and long story short, they're a lot more tolerant, and they've normalized a lot more the joy of watching animated music videos, whereas when artists started animating themselves in music videos in the USA this past year, Western fans were confused or just thought it was kind of a lame version of a video. I digress, though. The main point is that a confluence of factors have led to South Korea's music industry still thriving despite this difficult time. And so this vacuum has been filled, that void has been filled, by all the new South Korean music. So I think that really made it hit home for some Western management hey, this cross-promotion thing, this increased globalization, increased global networking could really help us in a pinch. And so it was just marketing-wise really important to kick up the pace of this and make this happen. So this truly is a huge moment, I think, and I think it will just continue to get more and more normal to hear about these acquisitions that are between countries and just other signs that these companies are working together to do something transformative and adapt to and prepare for the next event that leads to plans getting disrupted and to find a way to come back from that, teach each other the tips and tricks to come back from that, to invest in each other's ideas more. A really interesting time could be ahead of us for music in every language and the ultimate reminder that music is the universal language. And you can be a fan of an artist from any country and it doesn't matter where you're from or what language you speak. So it is an exciting time, and I'm very curious where this partnership goes from here. I'll probably have more thoughts about this as time goes on, but those are my initial reactions. Speaking of the pandemic's impact on the music industry, Story 4 is a collection of updates about exactly that. The latest in virtual concerts, social distancing, contact tracing, all the ways COVID continues to have this unavoidable impact on idol schedules. Shiny just had their online concert, which reached an audience of 130,000 people from 120 countries. What's interesting is that Baekhyun's concert had viewers from 120 countries as well, but NCT 127's show had people from 129 countries. I also found interesting how some shows that were a while ago Like Super M Show got 75,000 viewers, NCT 127's then got 104,000, then Baekhyun's show had 110,000, and now Shiny's had 130,000. So it's interesting because I wonder how much of that is artist-specific, who wants to tune in, and how much of it is just timing. As time goes on, more and more people are wanting to check out Beyond Live and hear what the fuss is all about. The Miku Online Expo details are starting to come out. This will be an all-digital version June 6th, and you can stream the Miku Online Expo via Twitch or YouTube three different times. So no matter what time zone you're in, there should be a time that's okay to work for you. All of these are Japanese standard time, 10 a.m., 5 p.m., 9 p.m., June 6th. 
More details coming out soon, including a more detailed schedule of events. But just stay tuned, Miku fans. I'll keep you posted, and we'll still get some content, even if it's virtual this year, which actually makes perfect sense because we're talking about Miku. More contact tracing and testing has to happen at music shows and other events for K-pop stars. NCT Dream members were tested out of an abundance of caution after Chunla encountered an SM Entertainment staffer who tested positive eventually. So Chunla went into isolation just out of abundance of caution, but all the members have tested negative. All of the members of CIX6 have tested negative. They were all tested due to an audience member at an event they were holding to promote Soonhoon's movie tested positive, so they all were tested. They also canceled an appearance on Ha Sun-woon's radio show, which was really disappointing, but they had to to await test results while isolating. But all are testing negative right now. Story number five. It is nostalgia time for music. Despite everything I was just saying about how K-pop continues to release new content despite the pandemic, also been doing what the Western music scene has been focusing on right now, reviving old classics. I think largely that's due to TikTok and other services that are repurposing old songs to make them feel brand new, and that continues to be a focus in K-pop as well. Remember, just last week on the show we were talking about Brave Girl's resurgence of their hit Rolling, and now suddenly that is everything again, so much so that the girls have been promoting it again on music shows and getting their music show wins. And now, the mix of YouTube algorithms and Brave Girl's renewed success seem to be leading other artists to follow suit. As of recording time, this is not confirmed confirmed, but it is speculated and reported on that Laboom is planning to start promoting again Atlantis, a song from 2016 from them that is suddenly experiencing this resurgence in popularity. And so they might go back on music shows as a five-person group now, and promote this song like it's brand new again. It's interesting because while Boom is probably about to start promoting Journey to Atlantis again, Shiny is about to start promoting their Atlantis album repackage. Interesting time for the city of Atlantis. I think more K-pop stars should do a mermaid type of theme, an undersea world theme for their comeback. What do you guys think? What songs were overlooked but it's not too late to stop sleeping on them? Part of me wants to say this resurfaced new treatment and appreciation for different artists' older songs. When it comes to K-pop, you know how fast the industry is. I'm saying like 2016 or earlier. Part of me says that recognition for older K-pop songs should go to artists like BAP, who did get international success, but I still feel like they were always underrated and deserved more attention. And then part of me, though, wants to have these opportunities go to groups that were only around for one big hit or maybe no hits at all really. Maybe they had one song that I thought was super catchy and deserved to go viral but never did, and then the group quickly disbanded as many rookie K-pop groups do, they die out if their debut single doesn't really take off. So part of me wants a group like BAP to get their time to shine, but then part of me wants this opportunity to become more normalized for groups that didn't make it and deserve a second chance. Kind of like in a show like American Idol, where they occasionally let, let a judge save someone, or someone is saved and brought back by popular demand. We should do that for stars that deserve better. Like, Lusty had a great song called Thirsty, but it didn't really take off. Marmalo was great, they had a few great hits. 
I'll think of more and share my appreciation and desire to see those songs do better next week, but just something to think about. Also big news on the nostalgia front, Sulgi from Red Velvet is set to MC a new music program called The Wise Music Encyclopedia. That's the actual translation of the title. It's an archival music project for SBS, which is meant to be kind of in the style of that project, Legendary Stages Archive K. This will be airing on Uriago's YouTube channel every Friday, and it will be co-hosted by Kim Zaka. Here are your rapid-fire miscellaneous headlines. Big congrats to J-Hope's sister, Junji Woo, who is getting married next month. We're not over Hoshi's mixtape yet, but too bad because we already have to get psyched again for the 8th new single, which is out the 13th. It's called Side by Side. And Going 17 is finally back next week. I'm so glad for that. Baekhyun is officially enlisting in the military as a public service worker May 6th. He got permission to enlist as a public service worker due to his hypothyroidism. Wow from Ace is taking a hiatus from the spotlight and promotions so he can focus on his mental health. Lisa from Blackpink was just awarded the Inspirational Role Model for Youth Award from the Thailand Master Youth Club. NCT 127 are the new clothing models for a Slow Acid and Teddy Island collection. TXT is set to make their Ellen Show debut April 16th, and I do have a feeling that more and more K-pop stars will start promoting on Ellen because we just had 17 and now TXT, and I just think that's going to become more common because K-pop is a big ratings boost, and the Ellen Show this season has been tanking in ratings. I can totally picture them going the K-pop route more and more for that. So I guess we love to see it because of the exposure for K-pop. Big updates for Taeyeon and his SoundCloud. In just 22 days, he reached 200,000 followers, becoming the fifth most followed Korean SoundCloud account, right behind BTS, Chanyul, JB from GOT7, and Seventeen. So in 22 days, he reached 200,000 followers. Now as of recording time, he has 201.3 followers, 201.3 thousand. And he just released another SoundCloud track made with Royal Dive again. So even if we hadn't been hearing it live on Super M's tour, we would have known to expect a bop. And GTA Delivers, it debuted at number one on Genius Korea's K-Hip-Hop chart. Version 2 did rather, and version 1. Version 2 reached number one, version 1 reached number two. Very NCT is this real of him to do that. The iHeartRadio Award nominees are here. Blinks and ARMY and and Citizens are all pitted against each other again for the best fandom. BTS is also nominated for best duo slash group. That one is not actually fan voted, which is interesting. All the other categories they're nominated in, they have a very high chance of winning because it's all fan voted. Whereas the best duo slash group category, not fan voted. But I still think they'll probably win that one too. BTS is also nominated for Best Choreography for Dynamite, and Dynamite is nominated for Best Music Video, alongside Blackpink's How You Like That. RM's mixtape Mono is officially the most charted album ever in history. It is now top at iTunes in 121 countries and is now considered to have made history with its charting. It surpassed Ed Sheeran's Divide album to officially achieve this. Plus, the song off of its soul just surpassed 70 million streams. BTS's film Out topped iTunes in 97 countries, 
and their album Map of the Soul Persona is the first and only Korean album to reach 100 million Spotify streams. Rosé's song On the Ground has surpassed 50 million streams and is currently the most listened to K-pop song of 2021 so far. Rosé also just surpassed 10 million TikTok followers. Baekhyun has broken his own personal record, so he is still by far, and now by an even farther margin, the Korean solo artist with the largest amount of album copies sold in the week of a release. So within a week of Bambi, his album being released, he sold over 868,000 copies. His last album, Delight, in that same amount of time, sold 704,000. From 704,000 to 868,000, breaking his personal best, plus the album topped iTunes in 60 international regions, so that doesn't even count domestic real-time charts. He just left us with such a bittersweet present of an album before he goes off to military enlistment time, and clearly we appreciate that gift. Chanyol's new single, Tomorrow, topped iTunes in 24 countries. Wendy's debut mini-album, has reached number one on iTunes so far in 30 regions around the world. Reaching 20 million views is Jesse's video for Who Dat Be, 30 million views on Hyanna's video for I'm Not Cool, 200 million views for Everglow's Dun Dun, and interestingly, Taeyang's Eyes Nose Lips, which is his first solo video to reach that. I think that's just a great reminder to go for your dreams and never give up on them, because you might be in Everglow and it's just a year or two into your career and your videos surpass 200 million views, or you could be a Taeying and it takes way longer. So either way, you're a winner. Everglow and Taeying, we both stand, despite the different timelines of reaching that milestone. BTS's video for Spring Day just surpassed 400 million views, and last but not least, BTS's video for Fake Love has surpassed 900 million views. That is all for today. Before I go, there's a really great eye-opening conversation that I encourage you all to listen to. It's with Annie Tan. She's the cousin of Vincent Chin, who was beaten by racists and died because of his injuries. So it starts out a bit graphic retelling that story, but then later on is just an interview that I want everyone to hear It's with Annie Chan. It's from Michael Moore's podcast. If you go to Michael Moore's podcast called Rumble, it is episode 175. It's called My Afternoon with the Killer of Vincent Chin and hashtag Stop Asian Hate with Annie Tan. Please at least take the time to look in the description of that podcast where he links to a bunch of different resources that Annie recommended during their conversation to donate and otherwise provide support to the Asian community. So please check out those resources in the conversation. It's really important and just wanted to remind you all that that's an issue, that's a crisis still happening. Thank you all for listening. Next week on the show, I have something special prepared for EXO's nine-year anniversary, the BT Study Guides episodes, and more headlines and interviews. I have a lot coming, so thank you all for listening, and I will talk to you all again very soon.